Mr. Gaius, I've had a chance to think about your first interview and I'd like to follow up on a few points. We spoke about various people whom you'd met as a student before the war. To add to what you said last time, can we come back to Professor Hampson, who you mentioned you knew quite well? Yes, of course. Uh, when I first came here, Professor Hampson wasn't around. He, he, I think he was a prisoner of war. I only got to know him after he uh, came back from that. Uh, and, uh, and then I got to know him really rather well. Any specific recollections? No, except that he had the habit of going on lecturing uh, after one o'clock, but he was such a good lecturer that the audience didn't mind at all, deprived of their lunch, more or less. <laughs> but uh, he used to simply continue. Huh? He used to continue beyond. Oh, he went beyond one o'clock and. <laughs> And, uh, as I say, he was a very, very good lecturer indeed. Nobody got up and walked out? Not to my knowledge. I wasn't there, of course. Uh, yeah. but, uh, it was really rather awkward sometimes. These yeah. people had other engagements. But still, I, to my knowledge, nobody did walk out. <laughs> so, you also mentioned Professor Winfield. He had a great influ influence upon you. Oh, yes. I liked Winfield very, very much indeed. Uh, I got to know him extremely well. And... Uh, Did, well, of course, you wrote... Your, your book was, um, in some ways, a sequel to his book, your book on taught. Yes. Uh, you, you must... You, in, to some extent, he mentored you in that way. Um, in a sense, that, in the sense that he never uh, took supervisions or anything like that, which I attended. But um, he was a very kind man, and I know he was. Uh, he took an interest in in me because he knew I was fond of the law of torts, and. Right. Uh, and this perhaps nurtured your your fondness for the subject? Uh, only indirectly. I used to attend his lectures, of course. And uh, then subsequently, uh, after I came back as a lecturer, I know he, he, he was... Uh, greatly tickled at the thought that I was uh, also fond of the law of thoughts like he was. <laughs> and, uh, yes. He was someone you could have discussions with? Well, I don't think I ever really had discussions with him on the subjects, but still. Yes, I knew him. He lectured to me when I was a student. And... Uh, I always had a great admiration for him. So we'll move on now to new territory. In fact, the main part of your career 
the 31 years you spent as a member of the law faculty at Cambridge University from 1951 to 81. So, if we may, I'm going to ask you about this in two parts. Today, your memories of the faculty and the staff, and in, a next, in the next interview, we'll talk about your research, your teaching, and your writing. And we have to remember that at your time in the faculty, this was during its occupation of what is called the Old Schools, adjacent to Senate House Passage, when the faculty and the Squire Law Library shared what by modern standards would be considered very cramped and inadequate quarters. In comparison with your student days, can you recall any major changes after the war in the library and the Faculty of, of Law? Um, that's a difficult question to answer um, because when I first uh, entered the Squire Law Library as an undergraduate, uh, it continued in that fashion uh, until I think they moved. But uh, I don't know that there was any major change, no. No large increases in student and staff numbers immediately post-war? Oh yes, the sta uh, student numbers, yes, because there were all the returning uh, warriors from the war and uh, and uh, they were, and also people whose careers had been interrupted by the war and who came back to complete their studies. So it was very crowded as far as undergraduates were concerned. So uh, uh, Professor Lipstein said that although it was very cramped in the old library, he preferred it to the new library because it was so cosy. Did you find it was a congenial place to work? Oh, very congenial indeed, yes. Uh, I always remember uh, Dr. Lipstein had his own particular room. It was, oh, it was an understood thing by everybody, but that was Lipstein's room. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Did any other of the lecturers have their special corners where they worked? Well, now let me see if I can remember. Um, well, Dr. Ellis Lewis, of course, he was then librarian and he had his own particular room. But apart from that, I don't think there was anybody who had a particular room. No. Did you do most of your teaching in your college? Well, yes. Uh, of course, I was then, uh, I hadn't joined more than then. I, I did most of my teaching in Trinity Hall, and I must say, the hall was extremely kind in making a room available for me to do my teaching. So, uh, wonderful. And that was very kind of them. So, when you returned as a lecturer in 1951, you would have had a different professional relationship with the staff you once knew as a student. You originally knew them as a, stu as a youngster, and now here you were back amongst them as colleagues. That's true. How yeah. did these established academics treat you as a young lecturer? You were about 30 years of age. What influence did they have upon you? For example, Professor Wade, he was a lecturer on your arrival, but a Downing professor by 1951. Well, when I first came, 
Professor Wade was Emlyn Wade uh, and uh, he had known my father uh, before the First World War and uh, he was extremely kind. Uh, I remember he is telling me all sorts of stories about <laughs> their life, you know, the pre-First World War. Delightful. Indeed, yes. Um, so now, who else was there? There was Professor Duff, who was, when you first came as a student, was a lecturer, but a lecturer. by 1951 was Regis Professor. That's true, yes. Well, yes, Professor Duff. Um, I must say so with all due respect that he was not a very good lecturer and uh, as an undergraduate although I started attending his lectures I along with quite a number of others gave up attending the lectures simply because we didn't really feel we were getting much out of them um, and of course he was a Romanist and I was very interested in Roman law myself, but um, apart from that, I don't think we had very much in common. No. Professor Bailey, who Professor, well, he was a lecturer when you arrived. Professor um, Bailey. Uh, he was a reader in 1951 and later became the Ralph Ball Professor. That's right. Yes. Do you have any recollections of? How well your relationship with him when you were first appointed? Uh, well, my uh, relationship was really uh, not so much with him uh, as with his wife, who was a brilliant tennis player. She was a pre-war Dutch international. Fascinating, indeed. And uh, we used to play tennis together quite a lot. So you must have been pretty good. Oh, I don't know. D did you? Did did they have their own tennis court, or were they? Oh, no, we played on the St John's tennis courts. Uh, yes, that sounds lovely. Uh -huh. There was Professor Jackson, who was a lecturer in 1951, and soon after that, Downing Professor. Mm -hmm. Well, now Jackson. Uh, used to supervise me, uh, along with others, from Trinity Hall, uh, in John's, in his rooms, yes. And he was a very good lecturer indeed, yes. Um, but apart from that, I don't know that I had uh, any further contacts with him afterwards. Not really, no. Now, Professor Lauterpacht was already the Ural Professor when you started as a student, and when you became a lecturer, he was still in the chair. Yes, that's right. Well, when I first uh, started reading law, uh, Professor Lauterpark was in America, and uh, he didn't come back to England, wartime conditions being what they were, uh, until about the second term, and he was a very good lecturer. But the most remarkable thing about him was that he always lectured without a single note 
impromptu and no hesitation, nothing. Remarkable. Extraordinary. Yes. Do you know what he was doing in America? No, I'm afraid I don't. No, I can't remember. If I ever knew, I've forgotten now. So, after the war, the faculty expanded fast, and when you arrived, there were many young academics who had not been long in place. Also, in the years shortly after your arrival, there was a steady influx. These people must all have been influential upon you in various ways, and if I run through a list of some of your contemporaries, I wonder if you can recall impressions of them, how they perhaps influenced you, and whether you have any interesting anecdotes or stories about them. Well, I'll do my best, but <laughs> yes, what are they? Well, we'll start with Mr. Goodison, who was a lecturer in 1950 and later became a reader in English law. Yes, yes, Dick Goodison, that's right. Uh, he was one of the nicest and kindest of persons. And uh, I had a great deal to do with him because I used to supervise uh, undergraduates from St. Catherine's and he was the, the lord on there. So I had a great deal to do with him. Uh, Robbie Jennings was a lecturer from 1950 to 55. He didn't become a reader but was promoted straight to the Ewell chair. That's right, yes. Robbie Jennings. Um, well, there again, I didn't have a great deal to do with him because uh, Trinity Hall was not in the orbit of uh, Jesus College and so we, I was never supervised by him nor was I ever lectured to by him. Uh, he, he was a, a lecturer with you, though, in uh, from 1951 to 1955. He was indeed, yes. And yes. Um, as a colleague, you had no real... No real contact, contact. with him, no. Clive Perry, who became a reader in 1960, he was a lecturer in your time. Yes, now he was really a character par excellence. Uh, and uh, for some strange reason, uh, he seemed to like me very much. And uh, um, I had a great deal to do with him, as it were, uh, socially and all the rest of it. According to Professor Lipstein, he could be very critical. Well, that was part of his image. <laughs> he was all like that, but, but there again, he was an extremely kind man. And very helpful. He seems to have um, had many devotees. If he took you on, then he was... He, people loved him, in short. Absolutely, yes, indeed, yes. He did, yes. He was like that. Well, Professor Lipstein was extremely fond of him, describes him as his great friend. Mm-hmm. Yes, I can imagine that. So no sort of specific recollections of, of Clive Perry? Well, I've got plenty of recollections, but uh, 
they're all uh, haphazard and higgledy-diggledy. Again, I used to do a lot of supervising for Downing College and uh, had a lot to do with him to that connection. But apart from that, I can't recall anything specific now. Sir William Wade was a lecturer in the 50s, mm-hmm. and in 79 he became Ralph's Ball Professor. Well, now, he was, he was a great tennis player, and I used to play a, a lot of tennis with him. Really? Yes. Uh, Bill Wade, yes. Um, I'm trying to think up all sorts of things about him. Uh, in fact, apart from playing tennis a great deal with him, I don't know that I had any other real point of contact with him. And uh, So it seems to me that, as I said earlier, you were a very good tennis player. Who said that? I'm, I'm surmising. Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, well, I, it depends on what your standard of good tennis player is. Uh, I won a tennis blue. Oh. Uh, in my <laughs> undergraduate days. But uh, nothing very special, I'm afraid. So Professor Milson was a fellow lecturer in mm. 54 and he returned, he left the faculty and he returned as professor in the late 70s. He still lives in Cambridge today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, there was a little coterie of persons of which I was a member, partly Trinity Hall, partly Trinity. And I got to know uh, Toby Nelson in that connection. Um, uh, he was really one of the most brilliant uh, students, I think, that the faculty produced over that period. Mm. And uh, he made a rather disastrous marriage, didn't he? But. But that didn't in any way affect uh, his relationship with other members of the faculty or anything like that. He was in a or his work. Huh? Or his work. Or his work, no. I'm not quite sure. Is he still alive? He's still alive. Oh, he is? Oh, yes. right. So, um, I think he comes into the faculty occasionally, not often. I see. Ah. Right. I haven't haven't seen him for a great many years now. So, Mr. Pritchard, you might remember, who joined three years after you did. That's right, yes. He still comes into the faculty quite a bit. I'm sure he does, yes. Uh, I think he succeeded me as secretary of the faculty. So, uh, yes. There again, uh, my connection, chief connection with him, was because I used to supervise a number of 
Keynes undergraduates and uh, he was also he is very fond of Professor Lipstein. He is. Yes. Oh yes. yes. Well, well, who wouldn't be? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yale became an assistant lecturer three years after your arrival. Mm -hmm. Any memories of him? He was always very quiet and reserved. And there again, uh, I used to do a lot of supervising for his pupils, and uh, it was in that connection that I got to know him. G. L. Williams was a lecturer in 55 and then he became a professor from 67 to 77. Daniel Williams. That's right. Yes. Now, uh, he was, I suppose, one would describe as one of my hero boys because uh, he was one of the most brilliant uh, lawyers I think the faculty has produced. And uh, we greatly enjoy attending his lectures. And uh, but again, apart from that, I had no particular connection with him. Someone else, that, well, Professor Lipstein, was very fond of him. Daniel Williams. Yes. yes. Professor Jolovitz arrived in 1956 as assistant lecturer and he stayed on until 72 when he became a reader and then mm -hmm. professor in 76. Mm -hmm. He's still around. He's still around, Very yes. much so, yes. Um, I really got to know him through his father and his mother because old Professor Jolowich was a person whom, uh, at, at whose feet I used to sit and I greatly enjoyed his lectures and all the rest of it. Um, but Tony Jolowich, um, that again, um, didn't have much contact with him. Was his mother also an academic? Sorry, he was. His mother. Was Professor Tony Jolowich's mother an academic? You, you mentioned that you remembered his mother. Oh, yes. Well, it was really through his father and mother, uh, really. Not, uh, I don't think she was an academic. I may be wrong there. His father, so I even remember being inspired as a student of Roman law. Oh, his yes, His father's indeed. wonderful book. Very much so, yes. Yes. So, Elie Lautbach became a lecturer in 1958 and a reader in 81, then became a director of the Lautbach Research Centre. That's right. Did you have anything to do with him? Uh, only rather vaguely, not particularly uh, intimate or anything like that. Uh, I had, uh, I'm afraid, lost much of my interest in international law because I always regarded it as a bit of a bogus subject. <laughs> one takes it very seriously. Uh, and Elie uh, Lauterbach, there again, apart from that, uh, very vague contacts.
So there was a large influx of staff in the early 60s. We've left the 50s now. Did this affect you in any way? Was it occasioned by a large increase in student numbers? Uh, only that it involved a very great deal of supervising because most of them were people whose careers had been interrupted by the war and of course all the returning warriors uh, came back to complete their studies. So... Uh, Must have seemed a bit more crowded. Oh, very much so, yes. One of the lecturers who arrived in the 60s, early 60s, later became, was later knighted, Sir Derek Bowett. He was a reader in 1976 and professor from 81 to 91. Mm -hmm. Do you have any recollections of him? Derek Bowett, yes, he was a pupil of mine. Good heavens. Oh, yes. Uh, I remember him as an undergraduate. Uh, he was from Manchester. That's right, yes. Uh, <laughs> I think he excelled as an international lawyer and was one of Lauterpacht's prize students. Yes, well, yes. I can, I, I can understand that. Yes, he was indeed. Um. Well, he's still, he lives in Hills Road. He's obviously still around these days. Good. Professor Gareth Jones was an assistant lecturer in 1962, and then in the early 70s, he went straight from a lecturer to Downing Professor. Do you remember him? Oh, yes, I do remember him. Ah... Uh. But again, uh, rather superficially, I didn't have much contact with him. But uh, he's also obviously still around. I think he lives in Selwyn Road. Really? Yes. I see. Yes. Yeah, um, I haven't seen him for some years now. Mr. Turpin became a lecturer in 1962, or assistant lecturer and lecturer the next year. Well, he was a pupil of mine. Oh. Uh, he came from South Africa, and uh, he used to come to me for supervisions uh, in Roman Dutch law, which is the legal system out in South Africa, and also supervisions in uh, Roman law and, and jurisprudence. Yes. Um, I got to know him really rather well socially as well. Uh, was this in the faculty? In the faculty, yes. He's a very nice man. Mm. Oh, extremely. Charming, courteous. Yes. Sort of old world politeness about that, him. That's right. Which was charming. Yes. He excelled in public law. Mm -hmm, that's great right. constitutional lawyer. That's right. And yes. uh, his textbook is um, one of the major the core textbooks in the constitutional law course. Yes. Cases and materials. Yes. 
Ivor Jennings was downing professor for a short spell. Uh, do you know why this was? Just a short time that he was downing professor. I think he was uh, on the staff before I uh, really uh, started my little career. Um, but then he later came back and he was master of Trinity Hall. Uh, so it was in that connection that I got to know him much better. And he'd also been out in Sri Lanka, I think, for a great many years. So uh, we used to exchange a lot of Sri Lankan gossip. Tony Weir arrived in 1964 as assistant lecturer and then he was promoted to reader in mm. 1979. Yes. He still he lives in Trinity, although he's retired. Yes. There again, I haven't had much contact with him, and certainly not all some years now. Uh, certainly very highly regarded um, th these days. Um, that I've, the last ten years that I've been at the Squire Library, um, I've always been aware of what a, a luminary he is. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or taught. That's right. Yes. Things, yes. So there was yet another large influx in the late sixties, and people like Mr. John Collier, John Hopkins. D.G. Williams, Heppel, amongst others, joined. Do you have any idea why the department expanded so quickly in the late 60s? I'm not quite sure why, but I should imagine it's because of the very large increase in the numbers of undergraduates reading the subject and uh, also the expansion of the uh, number of subjects that were being introduced and they wanted new new lecturers. So what sort of new subjects, as you recall? Uh, well, the, uh, the, the whole syllabus was revised completely uh, during the time that I was secretary of the faculty. We had tripos reform that became a real bogey with all of us and uh, as a result of these new subjects were introduced and uh, we had to find teaching for them. Do, do you remember any of these subjects? These new subjects? Well yes, it, it, it was a, a hopeless job I'm afraid. Uh, they uh, had the idea I think largely uh, inspired by Professor Hansen of having two goes at the same subject, sort of. And we had uh, the second year introduction to this, that, and the other, followed in the third year with the same subject at a deeper level. And uh, that was, uh, I don't know that I ever favoured that idea, but still that was introduced. And it lasted for quite a time. Interesting. Mm, it reminds me of 
when I did my law degree, we had contract in the second year and then advanced contract in the third year. There was that sort of an introduction to contract and yeah. taught, mm-hmm. and then there was contract in the third year and taught. It seemed an awful waste of time to spend two years at this same subject, but still there it was. Hmm. So that perhaps explains in part why so many new people were taken on. Mm, I think that was part of the reason, certainly. Do you remember Mr. John Collier, who joined in 1967? Oh, yes, yes, he was a pupil of mine. Collier, oh. uh, yes. Again, he was at Emmanuel, wasn't he? Um, was he not at Queen's? Collier? Yes. Oh, well, no, perhaps I, 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 I don't know. I'm not sure. You're probably I'm right. Sure. No, no, what do I remember about old Collier? Uh, I used to supervise him. And, uh, oh, I meet him even now, now and again. Uh, We always have a joke together and all the rest of it. Uh, but apart from that, I don't know that there is anything very special that I remember about him. So it fell to him to write the book on conflict of laws. That's it? right, yes. He was a conflict man. <laughs> so John Hopkins joined as assistant lecturer in 67 and then became a lecturer in 1970. Of course, he's still around as well. Oh, very much so, yes. Oh, yes. Well, I used to do a lot of supervising for Downing, and I got to know John Hopkins very well. Uh, And uh, also, Mrs. Hopkins, perfectly charming. I should have thought she was one of the most brilliant students that the faculty has produced. Uh, So, they still do come in quite frequently. Yeah, yes, yes. I'd imagine that, yes. She's very actively involved at Girton. That's right, yes. We then come to Professor D.G. Williams. David Williams? Yes. yes. Le- he had a meteoric rise, lecturer in 69, reader 76, and then 84, Rouse Ball Professor. Mm. Um, any Oh, well, yes, I mean, he, he, he too was a pupil of mine uh, as an undergraduate. Uh, and uh, there again, uh, very pleasant memories about him, but again, nothing very special, I don't think. Since he retired, he gives lectures, public lectures, and uh, he's very good raconteur. That's right, yes. <laughs> nice sense of humour. Professor Stein came as Regis Professor in 69. Yes, he came from Aberdeen, was it? Was it? Or from, from Scottish University. I think so. Either that or, or Liverpool. Oh, no, no, maybe you're probably right, maybe. yes. Uh, who are we talking about? Professor Stein. Professor Stein. Peter Stein, yes. Well, of course, his great interest in Roman law 
which is also one of my subjects. And uh, again, uh, we used to have a lot of discussions about Roman law together. But apart from that, I don't know that I, there was anything very special that I remember about him. Yeah. And then, in, lastly, in this category, Professor Hippel, who came in 1969 as assistant lecturer. Excuse me. Just, just pause. We, as we were saying about Professor Hippel, in 1969 he became assistant lecturer. That's right. Um, now I think um, yes. There again, I, I I supervised him, and I remember him very well indeed. I didn't realise that he was a student. Yeah. I think he came as an affiliated student. Must uh, been from Johannesburg. That's right, from Johannesburg. Well, since uh, I've been to South Africa quite frequently, uh, again, we uh, used to <laughs> exchange a lot of recollection. In fact, he used to tell me an awful lot about the goings-on in South Africa. Because he was one of Mandela's counsel, I believe. He was, he yeah. was indeed, yeah. yes. Fascinating. So you you say you've been to South Africa a few times. Is, was that in for, for a holiday or in an official capacity? Uh, uh, not a holiday, official capacity. Uh, I was in, invited out to give courses of lectures at various universities in South Africa, uh, mainly University in Johannesburg, but other locations as well. So, uh, what period was this? My late 1950s, I think. So, sort of the first decade, if you like, of your... That's yes. right, yes. Yes. Mm. yes. yes. Or maybe the early 60s as well. Yes. So it must have been fascinating. Oh, it was always interesting. Yes. We now come towards the end of your time in the faculty, and in 1975, the first of the Arthur Goodhart visiting professors arrived. This was Professor Kahn Freund. Do you recall the circumstances of the establishment of this visitor's chair? No, I don't, I'm afraid. It's after my time as secretary, and I really didn't get to know Confoint very well, so I have very few, in fact, no recollections about him at all. So, other new arrivals were Judge Elias, who has came as an assistant lecturer in 1975. That's right, yes, there again, rather vague, not very many contacts. Marcusinus arrived in 1975. He was a lecturer by 79, and of course you collaborated with him on three textbooks. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you must have had quite a bit to do with him before he left. Oh, indeed I did, yes, very much so, yes. Uh, 
Did he go to university college? Or was it Oxford? I'm not sure, but I think it was university college. And then Professor Allett, who arrived in 1976 and became a lecturer in 1980. Um, I knew him very well indeed, but I had very few contacts with him. Over those three decades, what were the most profound changes in the faculty in the way that law was taught? That is very difficult to uh, answer because there were different styles of lecturing. Um, quite a few people still adhere to the old-fashioned type of lecturing. Which was? Uh, which was a straightforward harangue from the lecturer. Uh, the others used to conduct it more or less as a discussion group. Uh, but... Um, Again, it's very difficult to uh, focus my recollections because I never attended these sessions. Um, but still, all I can say is that the undergraduates, whom I was still supervising, they seemed reasonably happy. <laughs> what was your style of lecturing? Oh, the old-fashioned, straightforward type of lecturing. I think if I, as a student, would prefer that. I don't know. I would rather, you know, be told. Well, yes. Uh, well, of course, they hadn't much choice. <laughs> so, what, if any, were the major changes in emphasis in legal issues with which the faculty had to cope? Legal issues? Either domestic or internationally. I don't think there were any. At least not that I can remember offhand. No. And did the increasing overcrowding affect your accommodation personally in the faculty? I didn't have any accommodation. I used to... Uh, visit the Squire Law Library, but I didn't have a room or anything like that. Uh, no, it's... So, you mentioned the Squire Law Library. Were there any significant changes in the way it was run and its effectiveness over this period? It was still uh, in the old Squire, in the old schools. Um, I think uh, towards the end of the period we are talking about, uh, there was all this talk about moving to, a, to, to the new site, and uh, people weren't very interested in trying to improve or tinker with the existing setup in the old square. No, there wasn't anything very special. And then, finally, 
What are your most enduring memories of your time in the faculty? Oh. Well, except to say that I enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, um, I used to like lecturing, and of course uh, the the comradeship of the uh, faculty members, especially people like Clive Perry and Kurt Lipstein. Uh, apart from that, no, no, I, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much, Mr. Dyer. Not at all, a pleasure. Thank you. Next time we can talk about your work and your research. Mm, that would be a pretty thin interview, I should think. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah.